0: Hello, bold goal crushers. I'm super excited about the topic today. I think it's one that you are really going to enjoy. So let me introduce you to my guest. Melissa is a holistic health and life coach helping teen girls and women break free from the food struggle. Melissa, I'm so excited to have you on the show and to discuss this much needed topic. Thank
1: you, Sarah. I'm excited to be here and to share.
0: Yeah, I know that we are coming up on the holidays pretty soon, and this is such a good topic for all year round, but especially during this time when I don't know about everyone else, but I'm invited to so many things, and it always includes food and scrumptious cookies. So I'd love to just learn more about you and what you do, but how you got into this, because I'm sure there's a story there.
1: Of course, there's a story. And it's so funny because I never thought I would be doing this. If you would have told me like 20 years ago, that this is what I would be doing. I probably would have laughed in your face because I was like a secret sugar binger. I was a little girl hiding food in her room when she was eight because there was so much stress and anxiety and just unknown and became my coping mechanism. And so that carried with me through high school and to college and to marriage and having kids. And then finally having kids and really what changed everything for me, Sarah, was we had a newborn baby who was not sleeping through the night. So I was exhausted. Our daughter was two and a half and she had some undiagnosed food allergies and sensory processing disorder. My husband was traveling for work. And on top of all that, I had just gotten diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. My journey included meeting with a naturopath, learning about nutrition and supplementation, holistic health. And that changed everything for me. That's a little bit of my story and why I do what I do. Yeah. And there's so
0: much in that when a lot of people out there are dealing with children, stressful jobs, all these things. And they're all intertwined, like our eating habits, our health habits. Our emotional well-being is all tied together. And then you also have our how we were brought up as well. And I think so many times, especially women, don't know how to address those things. So how do you go about if you're looking at your life and you're like, ooh, I'm stressed out. How do you go about taking the first step? For you, you went and saw a holistic health coach, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I started with life coaching, actually. So because I was overwhelmed and stressed as that mom, like you described, I started meeting with a life coach because I just felt unfulfilled. I felt like something was missing. Here I have this college degree. I didn't feel like I was using it. So my thought was, I'm gonna meet with a life coach and maybe she can help me like figure out what's going on and how I can feel more fulfilled as a mom. And she was also a licensed clinical social worker who had her own trauma from childhood who actually diagnosed me with the PTSD. So my first step was the life coach. That resulted in therapy and then holistic health went from there. But that's how it started because it's exactly as you said, I didn't know how to handle the overwhelm, the stress, the pressure, everything that I felt like I had to do and be at that time. Mm -hmm. And you had kids pulling on
0: you like all day, like I need this, I need that. And I think sometimes when I've worked with some clients, I don't have any biological children, but they've described how they lost themselves or they felt like they lost themselves because they had this career. And next thing they're like, I used to manage millions of dollars and now I'm changing poopy diapers. <laughs> yep. And you're covered in puke and spin up and
1: all sorts of delightful
0: things. Yeah. And you can't fire them. They're not right. doing their job. You can't just let them go. And you can't give a pink slip for that matter. Yeah, I think that's hard when all the things we go through just on a daily basis, even when we don't add something to our plate, it's hard to manage. Now, you talked a little bit about when you were younger that you were hiding food. And uh, so for those of you listening, for the people listening who aren't sure like what that's tied to
1: or what that comes from, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I would put trickies and pop charts and like all sorts of sugary treats in my room so that like when things were unsettled at home or if there was arguing or I didn't feel like I was in a good place, I would go to my room and just eat. I think eating was what I needed to do to settle myself. It calmed me temporarily and it just started and became my mechanism at a young age.
0: Yeah. And I think that also is nature too, because that's what we do to babies. As soon as they start crying, we try and shove a bottle in their mouth or do something like that. So maybe we learn that. I'm not a child psychologist, but maybe we learn that.
1: I think you're exactly right. And I think too, if you think about like when kids are little and we're like playing the airplane game, one more bite and their mouth is closed there, that's their way of saying, no, my body is full, but we force it in. There's so many correlations to that and childhood. And just exactly as you've described.
0: Yeah. And, And many people know who've listened to the show that I do have two foster daughters. They're both grown. They have their own apartments and all that stuff. But that was one of the things that they struggled with too, was that there was so much restriction on what they could and couldn't have that when they could have something, it was like they hoarded it away in their room. And my older daughter, it was very interesting because for her, it was the fear of not having food. And it's a a funny story. She never listens to my podcast and she probably wouldn't be mad if I shared this. But one day I came home and there was like a crisis van in front of my house. And it was because she called the crisis center because she thought we were going to run out of food. And so she just wanted food. And it was simply, honestly, simply because she ran out of mac and cheese, which was like her favorite. And they were so great. Like I walked in, I was like, what is going on? And they were so great. They had all the food in the house piled up on the kitchen table. And they're like, Okay, you're not gonna run out of food. She was like, We hadn't been grocery shop. I thought we were gonna run out of money and she had hoarded all this stuff in her room. And so it was like a fear of we're going to run out of food and this is going to be the cycle. And then next thing I know, we're going to lose the house because that's what happened in her world. And so that made sense where I was like, oh my gosh, now I understand why she hides food in her room. She's afraid it's going to be gone. Yeah, Yeah.
1: That makes total sense.
0: Yeah. So you do work with teens as well. You work with women and teens. And so often those relationships are tied How do you work with teens? How do we create these healthy relationships with our teens?
1: Yeah. So I think it goes back to the biggest thing I've seen, Sarah, is that modeling more is caught than taught. And part of my reason for hiding food in my room was because I saw my mom do that. Like she would go, go to my grandparents' house and she got cookies. And so that was very much modeled. And so I think part of it is just acknowledging where you're at as a parent and where your relationship is with food and kind of doing the work on that and then modeling that for your kids. So teaching them things like how to listen to and honor their bodies when they're hungry and when they're full. We talked earlier about sometimes we just keep feeding the kids and maybe they're not hungry. So just letting them listen to their own bodies, I think is really powerful instead of forcing them to eat lunch at noon, because that's what time we eat lunch at. Maybe they're not hungry for lunch at noon. I think it's a lot of kind yeah. of displaying what culture has told us to do.
0: Yeah. When I grew up, my parents would be like, you have to finish your plate or you can't
1: mm-hmm. leave. Is that, mm-hmm. is that something we should be doing anymore? I don't know. I don't think so. I think let them listen to and honor their bodies. And the thing I like to do with our kids is, okay, you're not hungry right now. We'll save mm-hmm. this for later. When you are hungry, you can come back to it. So A, we're not wasting it. And B, we're letting them honor their hunger and fullness. And see, we're not becoming a shorter to cook and making them something to a later.
0: Yeah, we're not becoming the restaurant.
1: Right. <laughs> Welcome to the drive-through. How can I help you today? When would
0: you <laughs> like me to gunk you? Yeah, <laughs> I actually worked with the client who was like, I cook four different meals for my family, and I was like, How did that start? <laughs> yes. How <I> did it start? <laughs> one it started with one had an allergy. And okay. then, so that child couldn't have, I don't remember what it was, eggs or something. And so then the other children like learn, okay, they get special meals. So mm-hmm. she's, I just didn't have the boundary to say, no, this is when she's at first, I couldn't reason with them. They were young. And then I just became accommodating, but she had four children. So she was making, it was special orders all day long. <laughs> wow. She was in the kitchen a lot. I met. Yeah. And the other thing that she moved to, this isn't the purpose of what I worked with her on, but she was like having healthy snacks in the fridge that they could just grab was the way that she was able to give them the ability to choose because she didn't Mm want to take that part away, like the ability to choose. But she also didn't want to have the Cheesecake Factory menu.
1: (laughs) Makes total sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you are a holistic, now you're a holistic health coach. So what is that all about? What are the things that if somebody's feeling frustrated, stressed, or just know they need to do something different are the things that they should be looking for or doing right away?
1: Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is to become aware and really get curious. So many times we're so quick to judge ourselves of, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I've let myself get this far or, oh, I can't believe I just ate the whole package of Oreos and we start the shame spiral. But if we can stop that and just get curious and maybe ask, okay, what was I looking for in the moment? What motivated me to eat the whole sleeve of Oreos? Is there something that I'm missing that I feel like I'm craving or i hungry for? And I recognize it as a physical hunger or craving. Maybe it wasn't for the Oreos. Maybe it was for more connection or maybe I need more alone time or maybe I need less time in the kitchen like your client or whatever that is. I think it's really getting curious and getting aware can be a really great starting. Yeah. And that shame cycle is so easy
0: to get into because we want to be good at things. We want to do the right thing for our family. So the first step is to really get curious and stop that shame cycle. So once somebody jots down what they learn from that exercise, what's next?
1: I think it's to figure out what you need and what you're lacking and find a way to integrate more of that in your life. Because, again, a craving can be a messenger. Mm-hmm. It might not necessarily be a hunger craving. It might, again, be for more alone time. It might be you need more time in nature, whatever that is. We all have needs. There's this wheel of life that I love to share of different areas of our life that so many of us have maybe We need more nourishment and whether it's home cooking or exercise or finances or relationships, whatever that is. Usually there's an area that we're deficient in. And so we'll recognize that as a craving and we'll turn to the foods. I think really identifying what is it you're craving for and add more of that into your schedule. Or maybe you're a chronic overcommitter like me and you need to take things off. You need to start saying no. So figure out what exactly do I need here instead of turning to the food.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that it was like a signal. And so that message sometimes is a whisper that we don't hear. It's not very loud and clear. So I love the idea of really getting clear. And then that wheel of what am I missing? Maybe it's you're missing alone time, as you mentioned, or maybe it's you're missing that connection with another person and how to actually go in and get that.
1: Absolutely. And I think too, to your point earlier about we feel like we fail or that shame cycle, we have a whole diet industry screaming at us, telling us that A plus B equals C. And if you do X, Y, Z, you'll get this result. And that's not the case. And so I think we need to take some of that pressure and some of that expectation off of ourselves that it's a one size fits all because it's not. We're all different. We're all unique. We have different seasons. We have different phases. And it's not going to be exactly what works for me works for you. So I think it's really important to honor our uniqueness and our bioindividuality.
0: Yeah. And some people get so focused on the number on the scale, too. And mm-hmm. that is really a result. We talk about this in one of my goal-setting courses. It's really a result of eating healthy and exercise. And we're measuring kind of something we can't control. It's if I said, I want to be, I want to win more Olympic medals than Michael Phelps. It's a very smart
1: goal, but I'm probably not going to get there. Yeah. And I think too, that whole idea of weighing yourself and letting that number define you, that puts stress on your body. And when our bodies are stressed, it releases the hormone cortisol which can cause us to retain weight around our belly. So it really has the opposite effect. Like we think we're doing this really maybe healthy, conscious thing for ourselves. And if it's putting more stress on you, it's defeating the purpose. Yeah, yeah,
0: I love that. I love that you talked about how that puts stress on us.
1: A lot of things put stress on us. And I don't think we're aware of how it shows up in our body. Yeah, and you hit the nail on
0: the head when you said sometimes we need to take things off our plate. But that's sometimes easier said than done. So how do, you, how do you guide somebody through really looking at their priorities and thinking about what needs to stay and what needs to go?
1: I think the biggest thing is to look at, okay, what is my purpose right now in this season? What is my mission? What is my vision? And if it doesn't align with that, then it really doesn't have a place. And that sounds harsh, but I feel if you don't know your vision, if you don't know your purpose, if you don't know your mission, You're always going to be swaying and looking for things. But that piece is foundational. And then you can look at things through that lens of, okay, this is my purpose. This is my season. These are my commitments. This is what I'm going to honor right now. Does it line up with that? Yes. Okay, great. Then I'll make it work. If not, then I'm sorry. I need to put this on the back burner for now and come back to it later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love the idea of seasons because so many times we think we have to do everything right now and that's not necessarily the case. I have on my task, it's like a task tracker, a sauna, but I have a board that's called Someday Maybe for all the things that I'm interested in maybe someday doing. And there's all this random stuff like how to create a koi pond and there's articles on there on how to do it. But I realized that was not the time for me to do it or serve on certain boards. And so I collect a lot of information there, but I may do it someday. <laughs> maybe. And,
1: yeah, it happens. You've got the resources and you're ready to go. I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one of the greatest things I've ever created because it allowed me to not forget those things or those ideas. And every once in a while I go in there and sort through them. And my podcast was originally a someday, maybe mm. uh, task. I don't want to call it a task. It's like an idea collector, but it was on that little board, and now it's a reality. we're almost two hundred episodes in, and that started that way. But going back to the seasons, when I put it on there, that was not the season for it,
1: yeah, and I think there's something to be said about on during the season you're right? in. I think there's a lesson in it that we maybe don't look for or we don't tune into or we ignore, but I think there's something about, yeah, yeah. So now
0: that you've had the life-changing experience, how do you
1: feel? Like, what's different? Everything. I feel like everything is different. I. It's so funny because everybody thinks so much of it is about food, and it, it, it is about food. That's a piece of the puzzle. But like, how you do one thing is how you do most things. And so the lessons I've learned in my relationship with food and my body carried over into life. And so I think that I'm less judgmental. I'm more curious. I used to be super judgmental and just really critique everything. And now I've learned how to approach it with curiosity. That started because of my cravings and my sugar. And we know why am I going for this? That's trickled over. I think I'm more patient. I'm more calm and more confident. I think that I'm really able to show up as who I want to be instead of who I thought that I should be or needed to be or was striving to be. And now I can just be my authentic self. And there's a lot of freedom and like a breath of relief around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that,
1: it's so refreshing when we can
0: just show up in our true skin and be who we were meant to be. Now, I I have maybe a more complicated question. If you work with teens as well, how do we raise children with these healthy habits and this approach so that we don't Continue that cycle
1: of you have to stay at the dinner table until it's all gone. I think it's acknowledging what do I want my family to look like? What do I want my kids' relationship with food and their bodies to look like? And maybe looking harshly at how you were raised and what you want to carry forward and what you don't want to carry forward. I knew for me, I didn't want to be that mom that was going for cookies in the cookie jar just because they were there. So. For me, it was about really getting mindful and learning to listen to my body and ask, am I hungry? What am I hungry for? What will nourish me? Really teaching them how foods make them feel, I think is powerful because we're so quick to judge foods as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. But really, if we can pivot that and say, okay, how does this food make you feel? Does it give you energy? Does it make you feel good? Does it help you stay focused in school? Or is it a food that makes you feel really good and your blood sugar goes up and then you come crashing down and you're moody and you're tired and you have a hard time focusing? So I think helping them identify their own relationship with food can be really powerful. I think also another thing I've become aware of as our kids have gotten older is what is the culture around the table? Is dinner a happy time? So they're having happy associations with food or is there a lot of bickering and complaining in it? negative and stressful and they don't want to have dinner together. So I think those are some things that we can do as parents to help our kids have those healthy habits.
0: Yeah. And for my daughter, the mac and cheese, she actually didn't really like cheese, which was interesting. That was what she was obsessed with. It made her feel like home because her grandmother made that. And so sometimes there's a lot of connections to feelings about people and spaces. And we are coming to the holidays. And so that can happen too. Like pumpkin pie for me is always Thanksgiving and a time when my whole family was together. And so while I probably wouldn't go out on a random Tuesday in February to get pumpkin pie, if I did, it still brings those feelings of family back.
1: It's so interesting you said that because just yesterday and. I made a video on that. And the day before I posted about how most of our food cravings are associated with childhood memories. Ooh. And so you're either going to have a love for a food, like you said, pumpkin pie, because it reminds you of your family, your memories, yeah. your daughter, the mac and cheese. It feels like home. Or you might have an aversion to it because it made you sick. I think there's so much psychology around food and what that does to us that we might not even be aware of. So I love that you, yeah. you pointed that out.
0: Yeah. So funny story, though. We actually got in a fight on Thanksgiving, our family, because uh, my cousin and I like the ocean spray cranberry sauce. Yes, that's just jelly. Yes. And he married into a family where this lady made cranberry sauce from like real cranberries. Oh, no. And there were like sticks and berries in it. And he was like, I can't. I I can't do this. And she brought it to our family dinner. I didn't know that her family had made it. And I was like, what is this? Who made this? No, it was like horrible. And then afterwards, they got in a fight over it. (laughs) But it was how we grew up. That's the sauce that we're used to. And my poor mom felt horrible because she's the one who went and got it out of the pantry. And this woman, I don't know how long it takes to make that sauce, but apparently it takes a long time. Oh, my goodness. We weren't having it.
1: <laughs> so what do you do now at Thanksgiving? I have to know.
0: Yeah, same thing. My family comes over, food, everybody brings a different dish. But we always have that jelly cranberry okay. sauce. Are you stuck do it? <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are your family traditions around the holidays?
1: We've changed now that we've moved away from family. and it's been interesting. Like I remember the first year we were just like My goodness, it's just the four of us, and we didn't quite know what to do, but now we like love it. We make the traditional meals, we do what we grew up with. I've adjusted them for our food allergies and to calcify them, if you will. And then we go and we spend the day at the park because it's lovely in Arizona in November, and you can do that. And yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love Thanksgiving in the Midwest, but it's different when you can sit outside and watch football in Arizona. So, Mm -hmm a whole different vibe and ride your bike to the park your kids can play yeah. basketball
1: it's lovely and the same thing over christmas break too that's yeah. just
0: yeah, yeah. i've just loved this conversation i think it's been very eye-opening and i know some of the listeners are probably sitting here and they've resonated with some of the things that you've shared so if they wanted to work with you how could they get in touch and maybe what could they expect
1: yeah they can go to my website I've got Um, some freebies there i have an opportunity for us to chat on a call i have a um, free personalized food struggle assessment call so we can figure out like where exactly you're getting stuck in your relationship with food and over like some things you can do to overcome that so that's an option i'm on social media all of my links are there but again just love to help women and teen girls find freedom from that struggle because the thing with food is that we need it right it's not like drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or something we don't need, like food is a necessity. And so I think it's really important to look at our relationship to it and how we relate to it and what we use it for. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not something you can really
0: avoid. But I like that you bring up that it is a relationship with food because so many times we think of it as a transactional relationship, but it's so much more.
1: Absolutely. And it affects everything. Yeah.
0: I really enjoyed this conversation and I want to thank you for being on the show. I just love connecting with you and bold goal crushers. It's time to get out there and crush your goals and everything that gets in the way. So you don't have to work double time. So let's get to it. Thank you, Sarah. I've enjoyed being here. Oh, thanks. It was great having you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.